Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Slaves line drive. That is down and to the wall. Cruz is in. Pierce is in. Party around. He's going to try to score. And save. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Boat lines it into left field. A base hit. Cespedes will score. And the Oakland A's walk off with game two of the ALDS. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. And Turner in the air center field. That ball's hit well. Martinez on the run. This is way back. And it is gone. It is a walk-off home run for Justin Turner. The doctor is now in. Another very busy weekend here in Las Vegas. And uh, not only March Madness, but don't forget, we have got... Major League Baseball at uh, the ballpark in Summerlin, the Las Vegas ballpark this weekend. Colorado Rockies and the Kansas City Royals. So shout out to our good friends of the Las Vegas Aviators hosting the second week of Big League Weekend. So get out there and have some great weather to uh, check out some baseball. But hey, we are working inside not only today, tomorrow, and uh, throughout the weekend. One of our favorite weekends of the entire year. Uh, March Madness happening right now. And we are live at the world-famous Superbook inside the Westgate Las Vegas. Uh, no better place to be. Jam-packed crowd here. And we invite you to come on out not only uh, today or tomorrow or throughout the weekend and check it all out. And don't forget, inside the International Theater, you've got Hoop Central. you got the 4K video wall, the comfortable seating and in the theater there with uh, food and drink options. And uh, no better place to be than the Westgate Las Vegas for that. And, of course, we're hunkered down in our... Uh, our home here, uh, our usual Friday home, but of course, here for the opening round of the term, we'll be here again tomorrow. Tomorrow, Marco D'Angelo uh, will be joining me. Lon Kruger will be joining us uh, tomorrow as well, too, as we got uh, the NCAA tournament covered, uh, as we always do, from uh, pillar to pillar, post to post, from inline to inline, you call it, baseline to baseline, whatever, right here on the T.C. Martin Show. All right, want to thank... Uh, Tracy Murray for joining us uh, last hour, talking a little UCLA Bruins. The Bruins are in action tonight in Sacramento, getting ready to take on UNC Asheville, a potential showdown there coming uh, on on, th- on uh, Saturday, I should say, as uh, the Bruins could be playing either Northwestern or Boise State, the winner of that game. And then, yeah, let's look ahead to next week. UCLA Bruins could be facing Gonzaga. Or, or TCU, or maybe even Arizona State again, as the uh, Western Regionals will be at T-Mobile Arena next week. So looking forward to that. And then, of course, on to Houston after that. We have it all covered for you here on the show. But right now we're going to go to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, I believe she is uh, getting ready for uh, her match tomorrow. Maybe a couple po'boys, maybe some shrimp, who knows what. But we're talking about the UNLV Lady Rebels head coach, Lindy LaRock. Lindy, what is happening? Well, uh, nothing much, TC. We just had a great practice, so we're uh, actually on the bus headed back to the hotel. Okay. All right. Good deal. All right. Well, first of all, uh, congratulations uh, on the number 11 seed. I know last time we talked with you, uh, we said, okay, what's a realistic seed? Where do you want to be? You had mentioned, you know, you think you deserve a 10. I agree with you. 11 isn't bad in comparison to, you know, if you had your sights potentially set on on a 10. Definitely better than a 13 or a 12 or, you know, where you guys were last year. Uh, So talk a little bit about, you know, going back uh, last week after the selection show and your preparation, you know, here at home before you guys hit the road. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of felt like a a long time now since uh, Sunday when we finally you know, found out our draw and, and had some time to prepare. So it was definitely uh, obviously exciting there on Sunday. We had a great uh, selection show and had a great turnout of, of friends and family and, and fans that came to, uh, you know, be surprised with us. Um, you know, we got the got the 11 seed out here uh, playing Michigan um, at, at LSU. So, you know, like you said, not too bad. I'm, I'm really excited to have a neutral neutral site game for the first game. So, um, you know, I know we've, we we have a contingent of some Rebels that are coming across the country with us. So um, we're looking forward to uh, playing tomorrow. Yeah, and we talked about that. I'm glad you mentioned that, too, about playing on a neutral court. Uh, that, you know, for lower-seeded teams, it's it's been that way in the women's tournament for a long, long time where you've got to play. Like last year, you had to play 
you know, in Tucson against Arizona on their home floor. It's got to feel really good to have a true neutral site game. And again, and Michigan's not even close in that proximity and where you're playing there on the campus of LSU. So this will really be a true neutral site game and will be no home court advantage for, for the team, but not even for the fan base because Michigan will have to, you know, travel almost just as far as you guys traveled. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'm interested to kind of see, you know, what the arena looks like tomorrow. I think LSU is still going to have, a, you know, obviously, hopefully a bunch of their fans come early and, and maybe cheer for us. So, you know, that would be nice. But, um, you know, just getting on a neutral fight and, and, and playing well, that's what we're excited to do. Going through this, this season, Lindy, and then, you know, working your way through the Mountain West Conference Tournament the way you did and now you know, getting the draw an 11 seed. Do you feel that not only the committee, but just maybe media and fans in general throughout the country are starting to give this Rebel program a lot more respect? Sure. Yeah, I do feel like that. You know, everything from, you know, the national rankings to, you know, I thought our, our seeding was, was really respectable. And, you know, to send us across country, I think, you know, uh, I, I was honestly predicting something, you know, pretty regional or, or geographical just because that's historically what they've done. But, you know, I think it, it says about, you know, a, a lot of what, you know, people think of our program or, or what we're doing and, and what we've done this year. So, you know, just, just proud. Uh, obviously, kind of being recognized by other people is great. You know, I, obviously, we know we think we've done been doing something pretty special here for a little while. Um, and to kind of, you know, get people out of our region to recognize um, what we're doing, I think we have a great opportunity uh, tomorrow to play in front of fans that have probably even never, never heard of us or any of our players or anything. And, um, you know, I think that's awesome to to maybe get, give them a good show. Lindy LaRock, the head coach of the UNLV Lady Rebels, 31-2. and They've won 22 games in a row. And uh, they are tipping off tomorrow at 12 noon there in Baton Rouge on the campus of LSU. You guys have been there since Tuesday, so you've had plenty of time to get acclimated. You mentioned, you know, you can hardly wait to see, you know, the arena there tomorrow. Have you guys got a chance to go in the arena and, and practice on that floor? Yeah, we just okay. we just practiced on the floor. Um, you know, we literally just practiced there the, the last hour, so we got 90 minutes on the court. And it's a beautiful arena. Um, you know, obviously it's a lot of purple, but they've got an awesome big jumbotron. It's a big time, big time facility. So um, great hospitality, and you know, our team was able. We went to a seafood spot last night. So. I mean, you kind of know we, we, we like to have a good time as long, you know, as well as obviously work hard. So we're doing that here in Louisiana as well. We've had a couple of really good practices, um, but letting our team kind of walk around and, you know, it's, 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 there's been nicer weather here than there has been in Vegas, I think. So um, <laughs> maybe maybe we brought it with us or, or, or flip-flopped it, but, um, you know, it, it, it's been really, really great here. And, you know, again, just excited to kind of see what the atmosphere is like tomorrow. Okay, you know, you open the door, so I've got to ask. Okay, you, you had nice seafood. Went to seafood restaurant last night. I got to be hearing about it. Let's go. I mean, what, what, yeah. what, did, what did the players get spoiled with? What, what did you have? I got to hear about this. Yeah, I mean, we let them sit at their own table, so I know they kind of ordered an array of everything from crawfish to it's actually crawfish season out here so they had crawfish mac and cheese and crawfish meatballs crawfish everything out yep. here but i'm a i'm a shrimp and grits person so I, I had an amazing shrimp and grits last night and it was it was legit it, i can relate like i said i was there last year for the final four uh, actually in new orleans so in baton rouge isn't too far uh from there but no great great food spots in your right i mean Everything there is 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 seafood, and you know it's crawfish or it's catfish or it's the shrimp and you know uh, the po' boys. I had my first po' boy last year, and believe it or not, I mean it's really you know not that uh, different than I don't know, like I say having a Philly cheesesteak sandwich or something like that. But you have to have the authentic po' boy, right? Yeah, I haven't had one yet. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get to it because. Now it's getting closer to game time. I can't, I can't risk, you know, tearing up my stomach or something. But um, yeah, I mean, if we're, when we're here a couple extra days, then I'll do more. Time. Yeah, that's right. After you get the victory, you're gonna have an off day and you know, soak in some more good weather and some more good food and. Uh, you know, there you go. And uh, and I know that you are looking like that, too. And Rebel fans should feel that confident as well, too. You're playing a Michigan team that honestly, and I'm, I'm sure that you, you've looked at this, they did not finish the, the season uh, great. 
Uh, sure, you can make the excuse that they played in a very strong conference. But bottom line is this is a very beatable team. And as I'm uh, sitting here inside the, the, the West Book at, at the Superbook, uh, you know, you guys are, 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 are a three-point underdog. That's it. That's how much respect that you are getting uh, from the betting public as well, too. So I know you don't look at that. But, uh, you know, again, again, it just shows the, uh, the, the respect that the program is getting. Yeah, I think it helps that we're a Las Vegas team and there's a lot of better than Las Vegas, but maybe they're driving the line a little bit. But, um, you know, I think the biggest thing is, like, we we totally respect, you know, Michigan. I mean, just what a great program, and they're really well coached. And, um, you know, they've had some injuries late, so they're just so battle-tested that, you know, obviously it's hard to compare records and different things just because, um, you know, it's – not, not totally the same, but, uh, you know, I think they're going to be healthy and, and ready for us. Michigan, the number six seed. Uh, when you look at them, what do you, what do you see? Um, they're long. They, they've got a lot of length, um, at, at especially the guard positions. Their point guard six one. Their two guards like six feet, and I think the shortest player on their team is probably two inches taller than players that we play. So um, they, they've got they've got size kind of at every position, but um, you know, and, and they're really well coached. They're disciplined. Um, they try to get out and pressure a little bit, but you know, I think the hardest thing for us to be able to replicate is the length and the size. So you know, that's something that we're going to have to adjust to kind of in, once we get in the game in the first you know five ten minutes or so. Is any part of this trip that you've incurred so far uh, similar to to last year in Arizona and then you can actually kind of take away from that so your players are are kind of, you know, okay, we've been through this before. There's no need really to to have the jitters or the nerves, at least in the prep time leading up to it? Yeah, I mean, some of the tournament stuff is is all the same as far as, you know, today we had the press conference and the open locker room and, you know, some of that stuff that last year was just all new and, you know, the the locker room filled with goodies for the players, like, you know, some of the cool stuff, um, which obviously we're extremely grateful for again this year, but, um, you know, we kind of just knew knew what to expect walking into it. Um, it's nice to see, you know, the bright eyes of our freshmen that weren't there last year that are kind of like, oh, wow, this is cool. Um, but just kind of, you know, some of the cadence of, of the scheduling I think is, is we we feel like we've done that before, so that's helpful. Um, and I, I think, you know, that, that just kind of helps us stay focused really at, at the job and the task at hand um, and preparing and, and being, you know, mentally and physically ready for the game. You know, the bar's been set now, so now you need to have those goodies for, you know, in your home locker room for, for every game next year. You know that, right? <laughs> well, you know, we've got goodies in our own locker room too, but it always nicer when you're when you're somewhere else yeah, exactly you're you're eating somebody else's food hey you're eating on somebody else's budget that's what i like to say right exactly exactly <laughs> what's the plan from uh the rest of the day or, or evening because like i said you're a two-hour difference there uh and and take us from uh from now until uh, tip off at 12 noon tomorrow yeah we're you know to be honest we're, we did get out here early but we're still adjusting a little bit to to the time change so we just got done with practice we'll eat dinner here in a little bit um and then just give our team some rest you know it's been that we've been hard at work and and they know the game plan we've done a ton of film already so you know trying to give their their minds a little bit of rest and let them rest tonight um and then you know it's a it's a two o'clock start out out here it's noon uh pacific at home and, and vegas for us so um, you know, we'll, we're, we're not going to even take our shoot around just because it's a little bit too early. Then and I like to wake up the team on a game day. So we'll just kind of wake up and do our normal routine of um, maybe watch a little bit of film, have some breakfast, get ready to go, and head over to the gym a little bit early so we can get some shots up. What about your, your, your seniors and your, and your veterans who have kind of been through this now? Uh, talk a little bit about the leadership, you know, qualities that you're really looking for and need in them, not just – on the court, but again, you know, this time leading up to it, are you seeing what you? Yeah. Are, are, do you like what you're seeing? I do. I really do. You know, um, we've got a confident group, and I think that 
that stems from, you know, our leaders and Desi and Essence and Justice, especially, you know, the, the older group. Um, obviously, there was a majority were there last year, but I think especially the older ones and, and Justice and Essence and, and Desi even, um, you know, they, they like, we expect to win tomorrow. And, you know, that's, that's kind of how we prepare. And, you know, obviously we know the seeds and we're an 11 and they're a 6, but... Um, you know, kind of what I started out with of like, we respect them, but we don't fear them. And, you know, we, we expect to win. We expect to play well. Uh, and they've kind of got that look in their eye that that's, that's the only thing that they're going to settle for is winning because that's, that's what we've done. So, you know, just really, really proud of, you know, and, and I can feel it. I can sense it from them. That's why tonight I think we're just going to, you know, relax a little bit and, and let them get off their feet because uh, they've been really locked in and focused. So, you know, I want to keep that going for tomorrow. Do you get caught up in looking at the bracket and, you know, obviously looking at your next game or looking who's in your bracket or just in, in general looking at the whole bracket, you know, whether it's South Carolina or whoever, or whoever it is on, on, you know, other side uh, or is your focus in, you know, just solely on Michigan? But as a coach, I would think that you would obviously have to look ahead because, you know, you got to get some scouts in, especially in, you know, a quick turnaround game. If you play Friday, you got to play again on Sunday. Yeah, well, it's hard not to, like, recognize LSU. You know, we're here in, in, <laughs> at their gym and their facility. You see their logo everywhere. So yeah. it's hard not to, uh, you know, give them some attention. But, you know, for me personally, it, it's all about this game, you know. And our staff, obviously, our staff splits up the scouts and, and the teams that we, you know, we could see down the line, um, you know, whether it's LSU or, or, or Hawaii. So, you know, that that's 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 close at mine, but that's not at the forefront. And for me, you know, I haven't, I haven't watched a single play of LSU or, or, and, and, and it's kind of nice for us. We played Hawaii earlier. So I, you know, I've got our own game film and, and can recall that pretty quickly if they were to pull the upset. Um, but you know, my, our whole, like, you know, for our team and, you know, it, like it, it's March madness. So I think we're, you know, the men's game starting today, I think it's fun to kind of, watch what's going around and, you know, and, and see some of that. There's already been a lot of close games and Rock. crazy plays. So, you know, that's what March is all about. And so, you know, obviously keeping tabs on some of that fun stuff. But, you know, when it comes to kind of our tournament and, it, it you know, I, I don't get too, too caught up in some of the, you know, stuff down the line or, or who who might come because, you know, we, we got to take it once at a time for sure. All right, Lindy. Well, we appreciate uh, the time. You know, you're talking about the men's tournament, and here we are, you know, at the Westgate here today inside the Superbook, and you're going to hear a gigantic roar here in a couple seconds before we let you go because uh, I'm going to give you some news that Arizona is about ready to lose to Princeton. Shut up. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yes. And uh, wow. Pr Princeton uh, just defeated uh, Arizona. Uh, ready to seal the deal here with a couple seconds to go. So there's a there's a 2-15 uh, upset, a 15 versus 2 upset, and we saw a 13 versus 4 upset as Virginia lost earlier today. So uh, this is the madness, right? You know all about That's that. That's the madness. That's what it's about. So, you know, we're, we're calling for a 6-11 upset uh, tomorrow. I was just going to say that. You know, by the way, uh, a little preview, you know, a little 11 beating the 6 tomorrow there in Baton Rouge. All right. We appreciate the time, uh, girl. Uh, we look forward to uh, uh, to watching the game uh, tomorrow, 12 noon Pacific time, and they'll be playing at 2 o'clock there in Baton Rouge against the University of Michigan. It's the, the Rebels putting a 22-game win streak on the line. It's been a fantastic season, and uh, you got to give me it, okay? You, I don't know if you're still on the bus with the team or whatever, but you got you got to take me and our listeners into that locker room uh, tomorrow you know, 10 minutes before you hit the floor, what, what are you saying? Pump me up, coach. What do you got? Uh, we got to be aggressive. We got to be, we, we know who we are. We know how we want to play. So we got to go out there and, and put our will on the game and, and be aggressive and, um, and you know, throw the first punch. So, you know, I'm excited for our team. They're ready. Uh, and, you know, we're going to go out there and play well. All right. Lindy, uh, thanks. I uh, really appreciate the time uh, you spend with us today. Uh, go get some rest. Uh, have a great time. Enjoy it. And we look forward to, to the game tomorrow. All right. Thanks, TC. Have a good day. You too. There she is, Lindy LaRock with the UNLV Lady Rebels in Baton Rouge. And they're pumped up. They're ready to go. They're going to get rested tonight. 
again, have themselves a, a nice little meal. Just got done with practice on the campus there at LSU as UNLV takes on the University of Michigan. This is a 6-11 battle on the women's side. And, again, we talked last week with Lindy about where she wanted to be, where she was hoping to be with, with a seed. And we know that a lot of times winners out of the, you know, the mid-majors, the Mountain West Conference, you know, they don't get great seeds. And, you know, last year they had a 13 seed, had to play on the home floor of Arizona, uh, played them very, very close. Oh, covered, by the way, uh, covered a big point spread uh, last year, but, uh, you know, lost within, uh, you know, uh, single digits. But uh, this year they're only a three-point underdog. They're playing a six seed. So when you have that 11th seed, uh, that's not a, a bad place to be, you know, getting yourself that 11-6, uh, you know, matchup. And, uh, you know, you, you got a chance. You're not going to be playing a, a number one seed right away. And uh, they have an opportunity there. So wishing them the best of luck. They've had a fantastic year. And uh, we know that Rebel fans have been coming out slowly but surely to support them. Had a couple of uh, sellouts at the Cox Pavilion this year. Uh, right under 3,000 fans in the Cox Pavilion. Got a chance to play a couple games in the Thomas and Max Center as well, too. So it's been a fantastic year. And it would be great for this team to continue to win, to be able to extend, uh, you know, their season at least, you know, maybe another game or get past this weekend. But if they could pick up two victories and get to the Sweet 16, that would be fantastic. You never know uh, what can happen in the NCAA tournament. And remember, there's not as much parity in the women's side as the men's, but believe me, it is getting there. And it's getting closer and closer. Uh, You would never see... You know, anyone outside of a one or maybe a two seed make it to the final four. But, you know, we've seen that in recent years on the women's side. So uh, we'll see how far that the Lady Rebels can go. But they're in a very good situation. They've had a fantastic year regardless. 31 victories, program record, 31 and 2, 22 in a row uh, right now. And uh, they face a Michigan team. Yes, they're out of the Big Ten, but they did not close real well. They've lost, what, three of the last four games heading you know, down the stretch. They're a beatable team. So hopefully UNLV can, uh, can get on them and uh, can uh, get a W tomorrow. Remember, that game is at 12 noon Pacific time, UNLV taking on Michigan. All right. Yes, as I mentioned, we have another upset. Uh, so we've had, what, Four, five completed games. We've had two upsets already. So earlier today, you had University of Virginia fall to Furman. Virginia was in firm control. They had a 12-point lead in that contest. Furman came back and actually led uh, with about uh, five minutes to go. Then Virginia retook the lead, and it looked like Virginia was going to win. It was just a matter of by, by how much. Uh, had, had themselves a, a five-point lead. It, uh, it got trimmed, and then uh, Virginia had uh, uh, had a two-point lead, missed free throw, could have extended it, and um, next thing you know, they uh, have the ball in the backcourt to basically kind of seal the deal, and uh, they turn the ball over in the backcourt uh, through an errant pass, and with two seconds to go, uh, Furman hits a three-pointer, game winner, and University of Virginia, the first game of the day, gets eliminated 68-67 to Furman. Uh, we just had another upset. And again, when we talk about upsets, there are certain teams that you just kind of say, well, beware, this team could get upset. Virginia is one of them because, remember, they lost a few years back to Maryland-Baltimore County. The uh, <laughs> you know, the 16 seed knocked off a number one Virginia uh, team years ago. And then today, just now, a number two seed, Arizona, lost to Princeton. And when you looked at that matchup in that bracket sheet, uh, including myself, I looked at this and said, well, probably don't have the guts to pick Princeton. Do you have the guts to actually bet Princeton? Uh, Because, you know, like I said earlier, a lot of these lines are, you know, kind of deflated as far as an underdog goes. You're used to seeing, you know, Princeton, you know, a team that would be getting, you know, 15, 16 points. But, uh, you know, that that wasn't the case. Uh, In this game, Arizona against Princeton, you saw that uh, Arizona was was in firm control, but Princeton battled back down the stretch. Princeton wants to walk it up. They want to take the air out of the ball. They controlled the game. And uh, Arizona, a 14.5-point favorite when it closed, ends up losing 59-55 to to Princeton. So day one, opening round game, 
basically the first session. Virginia goes down, Arizona goes down. Two massive upsets, and I can guarantee you there are a lot of X's, a lot of bullet holes, as I like to say, in a lot of people's brackets, including uh, my own right now. Uh, wow. Hey, so, TC. Yes, sir. When's the last time that uh, Princeton won a NCAA tournament game? Uh, it would have to be that game uh, against the UCLA or Georgetown, right? 1998. There it was. There it was. And I remember what sports book I was at in 1998 when that happened exactly here in Las Vegas. So I was part of my first stint back here. So upsets galore, man. We knew it was going to happen, especially this year with so much parity out there. No clear number one, number twos. We talked about it. That you can make a case that any one that's seated in the top five or maybe even six have a chance to get to the final four and cut down the nets. But Princeton, 22 and eight on the season, defeats Arizona 59 to 55. So the upsets continue. All right, when we come back, Scott Sprites is going to join us, and we will go through the morning session. We will preview each and every game coming up here in the late afternoon and early session uh, for the rest of the way. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games to handicap with that. And uh, Scott will join us, and we'll have some fun with that. But we are live inside the world-famous Superbook, where a crowd is stunned right now as the Arizona Wildcats have been eliminated from the NCAA tournament early on. All right, we're back with more on this uh, thunderous Thursday inside the Superbook here. March Madness Thursday. Back to more nonstop sports talk with the Dr. T.C. Martin. And we are back here at the world-famous Superbook inside the Westgate Las Vegas. The G-Man just showed up. G-Man, put on that headset for a second, man. I got to give you some love. Coming in, rolling around, checking out the show on the little March Madness Thursday. What's going on, brother? God, it's fantastic down here, isn't it? <laughs> it's been a while since I've been down here on on, on this Thursday. Exactly. It's fantastic. Hey, you know, we've been to some spots, uh, yeah. you know, traditionally, where we broadcast the show and, it, you know, on, on the, and March Madness. This is a great atmosphere and appreciate our good friends here uh, at the Superbook and the Westgate, but uh, uh, nothing like it. No, they always do a great job. You know, uh, I was thinking, you know, last year at this time where I was, you know, and then now I'm working for Southern Glacier this year and everything. Just it's amazing what 365 days does. It's true. That's but true. It's just great to see all these people here and they're just starting to roll in. I've been stopping by a lot of the casinos trying to trying to see, you know, like gauge, you know, the excitement and everybody again yeah. and what uh, everybody's doing as far as, you know, beer is concerned so mm-hmm. it's been it's been a fun day you know and as many upsets i heard i was listening to you driving over and talk about bullets in the in in the in the brackets man uh, I, raise your hand yeah i <laughs> i have a red pen like you do over there and i and i guys at home i go red red or yellow you know kind of thing so I, it's, I've, it's been, fantastic. I've been too afraid to do it yet you know, it's, I'm, try, I'm trying to, i'm trying to hold back see maybe if uh you know somebody changed their mind with scores no yeah. i was i was stupid i went with some of the Mountain West teams again today thinking, well, somebody's got to buck the system, you know, kind of thing. Oh, so, no. yeah, no, yeah. No. And, uh, uh, but I did have Fern, uh, Furman this morning. So, congratulations. So, I had that one and okay. I, I almost had, uh, um, who was it that played uh, uh, Maryland? Uh, West Virginia. West Virginia, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, had, I had that one this morning, so I was close on that one. But, you know, in this tournament, you're you're either close or you're not. So true. it really doesn't matter. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate you uh, you being here and, no, and absolutely. hanging out with us today. No, fantastic. That's, it's great. That's cool. All right, we continue on here. Let's uh, bring in our good friend uh, Scott Spritzer and uh, our handicapper extraordinaire. Scott, how's your morning going? And I cannot argue about this day. It's been nice. We got the lucky break on the top play of the day, and uh, I'm pretty happy thus far. <laughs> yes, yes. So I know that uh, you like San Diego State today, and uh, a game that was looked like the, the Aztecs were in firm control, and then Charleston came back, uh, missed some free throws, missed some shots uh, down the stretch, and uh, they end up uh, losing. Uh, for some people, they got a push out of it. Some people got a W out of it if you had San Diego State, right? I don't think anybody got a push at six. Uh, I don't think it ever got that high. Okay. Um, yeah, and they end up winning San Diego State 63-57. to 57. So just kind of looking here on that, you know, to see if that line ever got that high. I don't believe it got above five and a half ever. But the bottom line is, is that, you know, 
if you saw the game and then you saw what happened at the very end, which was a personal foul that could not, you know, could have gone without being called in the final second, and instead they call it since San Diego State to the free throw line uh, to get that game covering free throw at the very end for everybody. It it was as low as four and a half. It was as high as five and a half. So uh, a lot of people, and there were more fives than there were four and a half. So a lot of people got helped out by that final call if they had SDSU. You know, the one thing I can say is that it goes back to something I mentioned on a radio show the other day that allowed San Diego State to be in that position. Not that it was, you know, a great call. It was fortunate to win. But here's the thing about Charleston, and I'm, I'm shocked at some of these coaches. Charleston cannot shoot the three, yet they shoot a ton of them. You know, and I'm sitting there talking about this the other day on a show. You know, they are ninth in the country in three-point field goal attempts to two-point field goal attempts ratio. Ninth in the country, and they're 210th in three-point accuracy. And they're going up against a team that's seventh in college basketball, defending the tray, TC. They hold teams to 29%. And the coach lets them go out there and shoot 21 or 22 threes, and they made five. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going, sometimes you got to adjust. So that was one of the reasons I played San Diego State. The Cougars this year shot way too many threes, and they were not good at shooting the three, and they got away with it against the 305th-ranked strength of schedule. And in the end, it cost them today. So... I look at that, you know, and I'll make one more quick note about coaching. The other night, one of the playing games, I'm watching uh, the Mississippi State game. Terrible three-point shooting team. First seven or eight minutes of the game, they're four for five. And I was texting with our good friend Dave Koken, and I'm like, this is full goal. Coach needs to call the timeout and say, guys, I know you're four for five, but enough of the threes because we stink at it. Get the ball inside, work inside. That's how we got here. What do they do? He doesn't say anything. They keep firing threes. They go one for their next 16, and they lose the game to pit. You know, so weird, some bad coaching going on in this tournament sometimes. Oh, absolutely correct. And then, uh, you know, we saw the uh, the upset with uh, Virginia, you know, earlier on today. And again, shouldn't come as much of a surprise because we've seen Virginia. I mean, heck, you know, just years ago, they got upset by a number 16 seed. Uh, you know, and here as a four seed, they get upset by uh, a Furman team that uh, played well down the stretch. Uh, but Virginia did give the game uh, away. And then uh, the Arizona game, as we just see, you know, when you when you look at those brackets, Scott, and you see like an Arizona-Princeton, you know, you have these flashbacks. Oh, UCLA-Princeton back in the day or, you know, yeah. a Princeton-Georgetown. And I, I know it went through my mind, but it's like, okay, do I have the guts to pull the trigger on Princeton? Because you look talk about strength of schedule. And I went back and I look at Princeton's non-conference wins, which were you know, virtually against nobody. And I'm going like, well, you know, God, I, you know, and I didn't play the game. But it was just another one of those things where we see the upset now, and it's just like it's it's not surprising. None of this should be surprising, especially this year, as we talked about, that uh, this thing is totally wide open. Yeah, you know, like I didn't play the Arizona-Princeton game either. I, I held off on that one. But, you know, I'm watching that game, and it's like, I mean, Kirk Creaso, he did a disappearing act. The, yeah. Excellent point guard for Arizona. I mean, he ended up with three points, a rebound, and two assists. You know, I know going into the Pac-12 tournament, he was a little banged up with his shoulder. But they had two guys who showed up. It was, you know, 35 points out of two players with 17 boards. Nobody else did anything. The rest of them shot poorly. And give Princeton, you know, great credit for keeping... They actually outscored Arizona by a decent amount in the paint, you know, down low. So I thought that was just a fantastic coaching job. A bunch of kids who believed in their coaching and followed it through, and then Arizona had a couple of players in that starting five who simply didn't show up. Mm -hmm. uh, if guys can adjust their brackets, I know a lot of people after the first round they get to do brackets again. I'll just say this real quickly, TC, and this is why, you know, like, for instance, I wasn't upset with Arizona losing. There's only, there's only one team in the last 20 years that have finished outside Ken Palm's top 25 in both offensive and defensive adjusted efficiency that has won a big dance. So, 19 of the last 20 years, the national champion went into the tournament top 25 in both offensive and defensive adjusted efficiency. And the five teams that fit that mold uh, this year were Houston, UCLA, Alabama, UConn, and Texas. And I, I was telling people the other day on a show I was doing, advance those teams, man. Don't even think about it. You got history on your side. 19 of the last 20 national titles have fit this, this uh, prerequisite. And that's what I did with my bracket is I just advanced those five teams as far as I could without them playing each other. 
And then they came up with Alabama as the national champion. So we'll see if that holds true. Well, you make me feel good, Scott, because we're on the same page with that. And uh, uh, you rounded out my final four. I, I got those guys in my final four, or, except I don't have UCLA in there. But uh, good one, yeah. I got UConn and, and, and Houston and, and Alabama in there. So I feel good about that. Thank you, and man. And UCLA is banged up. You know, they lost yes. Clark. So I get yeah. that. That's why originally I would have had UCLA winning the whole thing. Mm. But with Clark being out for the rest of the season, having a couple of other bumps and bruises that they took during the Pac-12 tournament, I decided to leave UCLA out of the national title game. So I agree with you on that. I have Alabama. I think I haven't beaten UConn on my uh, on my number one bracket. All right, Scott Spicer joins us. Doc Sports. You can go to DocSports.com. Subscribe to uh, Scott's plays. Scott, let's, you mentioned UCLA. Let's talk about them. They're in the uh, as uh, John Murray said earlier, the bailout game uh, tonight at 7:05. And we just uh, talked to Tracy Murray live from Sacramento, getting ready to call the Bruins game tonight. Uh, gave us good insight on the Bruins. Big number here, though, 17-and-a-half against UNC Asheville. Any interest in laying it uh, with UCLA tonight, considering we saw Kansas, you know, with a relatively easy cover. You know, looked like Alabama was going to cover, but, you know, that three at the end, you know, you know, cost them. But uh, what do you think about the Bruins tonight laying a big number? Yeah, I'm a huge UCLA fan, and my favorite coach in college basketball is Mick Cronin. Having said that, I took a little piece, just a small play on uh, UNC Asheville tonight and took all those points. They shoot the tray, and they make the tray. They're ranked sixth in the nation in three-point accuracy, and those are the kind of teams I want if I'm going to take a big underdog in the opening round or two in the big dance. They can draw UCLA outside, and the Bruins are without Jalen Clark, as we mentioned, and he's one of the top five defender, best defenders in college basketball. And then you got the Bulldogs, you know, one of the most experienced teams in college basketball, including their point guard, Caleb Burgess. He's one of the top dishers in the country. Uh, Asheville has a big seven-footer, Drew Pember, basically a 20-and-nine guy, drags opposing big men out to the deep perimeter, but he also cleans the glass well on, on the defensive end. So the Bulldogs, you know, and they're also, by the way, strong in transition, but they can also play half-court offense. There's not a lot of teams that can do both. And I, and I bet you they can give UCLA enough trouble to hang the number. Uh, no way do I think Asheville wins this game outright against this Bruins team. Uh, but I could see UCLA winning by, you know, 10, 12 points. And I went ahead and took Asheville. I think they're in a good spot to cover that number. And, yeah, it's the smallest play I had today, but it's a play nonetheless. There you go. All right, so let's talk about some of these games uh, coming up the nighttime session here. Uh, Iowa and Auburn. Uh, the line now is up to Auburn uh, minus two. Scott, I'm I'm going to do it again, and I, and I say we've talked about this before. You know, Iowa is a team that. Uh, can get up and down. They can fill it up. Man, they can disappoint you as well. So I felt good with Iowa. They've broken my heart. Uh, but when I've been good with Iowa, they've, been, they've come off of losses. Uh, I like them uh, tonight against Auburn. This is more of an anti-Bruce Pearl play. And uh, an Auburn team that really, I feel, is kind of void of scoring when they need to. And I think the wrong team is favored. But give me your, give me your thoughts on Iowa and Auburn. Yeah, I didn't play the game tonight. I, I completely understand wanting to go against Bruce Pearl. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, he can let you down, no doubt about it, if you're, if you're on the side of the Auburn Tigers. And they did not play well. You know, I mean, they didn't win too many games down the stretch. I, be, I believe they were like, what, had like four or five wins since January 25th. Some close games in there that they lost. They lose by three to Arkansas, five to Bama. Towards the end of the regular season, they did knock off Tennessee at the end of the season. Uh, but again, it's tough for me to back Iowa. And the main reason is, is I think of Fran, Frischella, or Fran McCaffrey, and when I watch his teams throughout the years, I just look at him as being a bully. I mean, they feast on bad, bad non-conference opposition. And then they, you know, there's times they get popped in the chops or, you know, punched in the nose by a conference team and they fold like a cheap tent. And I look at their defensive numbers, 317th defending the three, 295th defending the two. Uh, they, their effective field goal percent is 308th in all of college basketball. So they're going to have to outscore Auburn. There's no doubt about it. We'll see if Auburn... Uh, can take advantage of Iowa's poor defensive numbers. Having said all of that, it sounds like I'd be on Iowa, but I can't trust Bruce Pearl enough to back <laughs> Auburn, so I get what you're saying. So I'll just sit back and I'll root for you. I'm not a fan of either one of these coaches. You know, McCaffrey has that incredible number. T. 
TC it's something like 45 and 20. That's not exact, but around 45 and 20 against the spread as a double-digit home favorite in non-conference games, which yeah. are early in the season. And if you throw out that craziness against Eastern Illinois, they did it again. They clobbered teams as 30-point favorites until that one particular game. So, again, two coaches I don't like to get involved with. I'll root for your side tonight. <laughs> two, two of my least favorite coaches in college basketball. Uh, bullies in the standpoint of just bullies, period. Uh, berating their own players, and, and both have come under a lot of scrutiny with that over the years. And McCaffrey, again, this year with that. So, yeah, not, not one of my favorites, but I do love Iowa's goal. Guards, I will say that, uh, and I do like Chris Murray as well too. So they got some pieces, um, and they can stroke the three. So, but again, just uh, not real confident. We'll see what happens. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Duke and Oral Roberts. We know Oral Roberts is a is kind of a popular play, but then you know you look at Duke, and you would figure, okay, well, Duke tr- traditionally be a little bit uh, more than a six point favorite in this game. We know Oral Roberts can can shoot the lights out. What's your handicap on this, Scott? Yeah, I, I stayed off of this. I'll give you a play that I'm on to besides the Asheville play because I'm answering you by saying I stayed off of this game quite a bit now. Uh, I did stay off of this game, but I leaned Duke. I like the way the, Duke, the Dukies finished up the season. And when I look at Oral Roberts, they do have some good metrics. There's no doubt about it. They can shoot well. They're top 10 in two-point shooting, top 40 in three-point shooting. They defend the two-point shot quite well. Uh, but then I start to look at things like, you know, again, strength of schedule. They were around 270 at their strength of schedule. And they've got the, the nation's number one active winning streak of 17. They've won 17 straight games, obviously against opposition that is well down the ladder from Duke. I don't like backing those teams. I don't like backing teams that won, you know, 10 or more games in a row going into the dance. It seems to be a good cutoff point over the last several big dances, and that's what kept me off. ORU today. If you made me play this game, I would end up being on the chalk, which was Duke, and going against Oral Roberts, which seems to be kind of a sexy public underdog. Right. All right. A couple other games that you can make maybe an argument for both sides. Northwestern and Boise State. Here we go. The uh, anti-Mountain West play again, and we know that uh, Chris Collins has done a fantastic job at Northwestern there in Evanston. Uh, Great guard play for Northwestern. Uh, you know, Northwestern and Penn State, kind of very, very similar, uh, you know, the way they play and, you know, the results this year. Uh, give me a take on both of those games. Let's take a look at at, uh, at uh, Northwestern, a two-point favorite, or Boise State, and then later tonight A&M is now up to three against uh, Penn State. Yeah, as far as Northwestern and Boise, you know, I, I put out a free video on this late last night overnight, and, you know, Boise, you look at them, besides the fact that the Mountain West has not been good, you know, I'm a big Ken Palm fan, but he had the Mountain West ahead of the ACC at the end of the year, and I didn't, don't agree with that, obviously, and we've seen why. We lucked out with San Diego State. But Boise's an overtime win over UNLV and a 14-0 end-of-the-game run and a six-point win over San Diego State from a five-game losing streak as they headed to this game. And, you know, I had Boise in that win over the Aztecs, and the Broncos could not have been in a better spot and barely eked out the game on a lot of luck again. A 14-0 run, as I mentioned, they probably should have lost. I'm not giving the money back, by the way. Same with, with today's San Diego State game. I'm not giving the money back in case anybody wants to know. But uh, Northwestern played well down the stretch, despite a couple of close losses to Illinois and Penn State. And by the way, the Penn State losses, both of them to that team came in overtime, both games. The big difference to me is this, in this one is the defensive play. Boise has good numbers. But Northwestern built their strong metrics against tougher opposition, and the Wildcats are great at valuing the rock. They don't turn it over, yet they force turnovers at the other end. I think that's going to be the difference. So a small lean here towards Northwestern. Put out a video on it last night that I do like the Wildcats in this matchup. Okay. And then A&M against uh, Penn State uh, tonight. Yeah, this one was obviously tough back and forth, and I was trying to think, okay, do I want to back Penn State in this game, believe it or not? And then I decided to hold off. The problem with Penn State for me, they don't force turnovers at all. They cannot grab offensive rebounds, so if their shots aren't falling, and they're a a pretty good shooting basketball team, there's no doubt about that, but if their shots aren't falling, they don't get second chances, and they don't get to the free throw line. Check out these numbers, TC. There are 363 teams in college basketball. Penn State ranks 362nd in turnover percentage on the defensive end. 
Uh, their offensive rebound percentage, 362nd. Their free throw attempts to field goal attempts per game, 361st. That's crazy stuff when it comes to metrics from a team uh, that was able to go 22-13 and 13 and land in the big dance. By no means do I think Texas A&M is going to cruise for this because they got some bad shooting numbers. So one thing about A&M, man, that keeps me off of them a lot, uh, except for that last game against Alabama in the regular season. And then I played against them and took Alabama in the uh, Southeast Conference Tournament. But they can really go south with their shots. They don't shoot the three well. They don't shoot the two well. I'm going to say they eke this one out over Penn State, but I think this one could easily, 50-50 game could go either way. Yeah, I just uh, like uh, A&M's defensive pressure, and I like uh, the way they rebound. Uh, they're a fantastic offensive rebounding team, uh, you know, too. They're you know, uh, 24th in the country with that, averaging uh, 11, you know, offensive boards uh, a game. And uh, like you said, yeah, Penn, uh, Penn State really doesn't rebound that well. So I, uh, I'm hoping that the, uh, the A&M pressure will get to the Penn State guards, yeah. and uh, especially the way uh, you know, A&M played uh, down the stretch, uh, played you know, Alabama strong. They played the SEC schedule very, very tough. You just mentioned something that is very wise in choosing this game and talking about offensive rebounding. Texas A&M is number six in the country in offensive rebound percentage. And before you mentioned that, I, I really wasn't thinking about it, but they're number six. And I just told you that Penn State is the second right. worst offensive rebounding team in all of college basketball, 362nd. That could very well come into play, no doubt about it. I hope so. <laughs> I'll root for you, man. Thank you, man. <laughs> all right. Uh, who else are you looking at tonight? What's intriguing to you? Yeah, I'll give you one more play here. Um, they grab the points with Colgate. Feels a little publicy. I'm going to make up words here, uh, <laughs> but you know they, they're an, they're an experienced team and they're dead eyes when it comes to shooting accuracy. Colgate's number one and number seven in the nation in three point and two point shooting, respectively. They make 41 percent of their threes. They make 57 percent of their twos. And if I'm going to take a double-digit underdog against a quality opponent, I want a team, I don't care if they play great defense, I want a team that can score the rock. That's what I want, and that's what they do. Uh, 12th in the nation in assists per field goals made, which shows they have multiple guys who can nail their shots, and they look for the best shot. They don't overdo it, but they do look for the best shot. They will make the key passes, and they're patient in doing so. And then out of the fact that they value the basketball, they don't commit turnovers, they don't allow second shots. They're a very good offensive rebound, excuse me, defensive rebounding team, keeping teams off the offensive glass. I think they hang this number. I think Texas gets the win. I don't think we're going to see a Princeton, Arizona type upset, but I think Colgate ends up covering this number, which roughly 13, 13 and a half right now. All right. Great stuff, Scott. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, I know that uh, you have looked at uh, some games for tomorrow. Uh, give our listeners uh, a couple games, maybe even the early session that we should watch out for. Well, I'll tell you what, this is actually a later game, but I was going to throw this out there because it is a very sexy public dog, and I'm a little concerned. I, I, I went forward on what a show I did so far, and this is the final game of the five-game uh, pick session that I had on a show the other day, and I'm not so sure I'm as crazy about it now as I was the other day. It's Drake plus the points over Miami. Obviously, Larinaga is a great coach, and he could be a difference maker in this particular game. Uh, but again, you know, we have a Miami program that did lose to another Mo Valley team in a tournament a few years ago when they lost to Loyola Chicago with short chalk. And if Omir is banged up enough to where he can't give it his all, the power forward, uh, he's 14 and 10 per night. And the under the radar metrics take a hit too if he's not healthy as their uh, three pointers per possession allowed shoots up when he's not on the floor. So if he plays, Miami's pretty tough on offense, and they're one of the more accurate teams in college baskets, but they're not good on defense. The Canes are 261st against the two, and they tend to allow too many offensive rebounds to the opposition. Drake, really good at both ends of the floor. I like them plus the points in this one, but again, it is a very sexy underdog pick, and we know how those games usually go. Right. All right. Well, I'm going to give you one uh, too, Scott, and, and pretty much in that same vein, and I want to get your opinion on it. I like Kent State tomorrow against Indiana. I think Indiana is a very overrated team. Uh, Kent State uh, is, is a very uh, underrated team, uh, and uh, they can score. I like this Kent State team. Uh, I see another 13-4 upset. 
Okay. <laughs> I don't have the game yet. I'm going to look at it more tonight, especially since you like Kent State getting the four and a half, and uh, I'll jump into it a little bit more. As of right now, I don't have a play on that game. Yeah, and, and I don't either as of yet. But uh, that you know, when I was filling on my brackets, I like okay, I could uh, I, I could see this happening. But uh, you know, and I know you're a Matt guy. You know, you 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 follow a little bit of the Matt. You follow not everything. A, not in college football. You want to talk about a jinx conference for me? I know a lot of guys make good money off betting the back. I don't even handicap the Mac anymore in college football. I don't either. I will in college yeah. basketball. Yeah, it, uh, yeah me, me too. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, uh, basketball, okay. But, uh, and, and we've seen uh, you know, the Mac play some decent uh, uh, basketball as well, too. And as a shout-out sure. to, to, my, to my good friend Todd Kowalczyk, who used to be the UWGB court coach many years ago, has done a great job right. at Toledo. So he's, he's over there. And, uh, and Kent State's got a pretty good program uh, as well. All right, my friend, I appreciate you uh, taking the time and, uh, and joining us uh, today. Uh, good luck on the rest of the evening and the rest of the weekend, my friend. Sounds good, TC. Good luck, man. You got it. Scott Spritzer, DocSports.com. Go to DocSports.com. Get Scott's play. Subscribe to him. And uh, feel very, very fortunate, as usual, that uh, you know he gives our listeners uh, uh, plays as well, too. And, again, one of our, our featured handicappers here on the show has been for a very, very long time, long-time close friend, him, Marco D'Angelo. And uh, Marco will be with us uh, here tomorrow. All right, so always good stuff here at uh, the Superbook, the Westgate, and uh, we are just starting here with uh, March Madness on this Thursday. Our, already saw two major upsets. How many more are we going to see tonight, G-Man? I'm hoping for at least one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you going with, man? Uh, you know, it... I filled up my bracket this morning, and you know, look, looking at who's coming up tonight. I really, I took Iowa today, right this afternoon, and so I'm just excited to see some good, um, some games. Actually, I'm actually gonna have to watch it inside the bunker at the at the hockey game. I'm going to the hockey game tonight. I got offered some tickets this morning, so yeah. Marco's gonna be there too. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. He's going Calgary. To, uh, Double B's gonna be there too. Double B's so, gonna be yeah, there. We got a lot of our crew is there. I said, no, guys, I'm I'm, I'm watching some basketball. Yeah. Yeah. So, TC, who did you have going all the way? Uh, Alabama. Okay. So how far did you have Zona going? I had Zona going to my Elite Eight. Mm. I had I had I had Zona um, I going yeah, losing to Alabama. And that's what kind of kills me here. So and I was on the fence of, of taking maybe Baylor to beat Arizona. But I, I decided to go with Arizona. But I, I went yeah. back and forth yeah. with that Sweet 16 game. Now I wish I would have went the other way. <laughs> yeah. But I got a feeling that I'm not like the only guy in that no. boat that went with oh, Arizona. No, no. no. This is, a, this is a, d- a perfect example of why I didn't fill out in a, a bracket so I don't have the headache of all this nonsense. So I, I, I don't have any uh, goal to set, so that way I don't have any disappointments. And you know what hurts for me, though, too, is I spend way too much time in the brackets. You know a lot of guys, yeah, go, oh, yeah. I'll, make, I'll do a bracket like five minutes or ten minutes or whatever, and I say that. Dude, I was working on it for two hours last night. Yeah. You know, it's well, just, I take it too serious. I heard you talking on Monday. You said as soon as the brackets are coming, you, you, you went behind closed door and started researching. And, and I started and, making and my own lines. Yeah. That's what I do. That's yeah. how I make my own lines, lines yeah. and from, from a betting standpoint yeah. to see, you know. Okay, that's, that really doesn't have anything to do with brackets. That's <laughs> right. more handicapping yeah. to see, you know, but at least if i It leads you to your brackets, though, I'm sure, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Yeah. And again, in Houston, I love Houston. Houston too, right? And I got that being my final, and I, you know, I, I love both those teams, and we'll see what happens. And I love UConn too. It so should I'll, be a great Friday tomorrow. It'll be it, fun. It, then. Saturday and Sunday. Too. All right. I want to thank Tracy Murray for joining us. So with the UCLA Bruins, he's on the broadcast tonight with the Bruins Radio Network in my hometown of Sacktown. Also, Lindy LaRock, who's in Baton Rouge, getting ready for the Lady Rebels. Uh, their NCAA first round tournament game tomorrow against the University of Michigan. Go Rebs! Rooting them on. And by the time we hit the uh, air tomorrow, we'll have the result. Uh, of that game. All right, and appreciate Scott Spritzer and John Murray joining us. Jimmy, I appreciate you being Absolutely, here, brother. brother. Thanks for having yeah. me stop by. All right, and Nick uh, back in the studio, and then uh, Numchuck uh, on location, remote location. There you go. Appreciate our good friends here, Jay Cornegay, and everyone here at the Westgate. We're back here tomorrow. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. The bracket's up there. Our interviews are up there. Go check it all out. And uh, we reconvene tomorrow at 2 o'clock right here at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the world-famous Superbook for more March Madness.